Hey everyone, today I'm joined by Mike, who plays guitar for Darkest Hour and the band Be Well. And for those who know me, you have probably been forced to listen to him at one point. He co-founded the band. He also composes and produces his music. He is one of my favourite guitarists, and I'm stoked he has kindly agreed to let me get my guitar geek on with him today. So welcome, Mike. How you doing? Thank you for having me on the, uh, the, the radio show, internet radio show, podcast, etc. <laughs> <laughs> so how was your Christmas? Uh, I'm not the biggest Christmas fan, but I've I've enjoyed, you know, spending some downtime with the family, although we've been together a ton since COVID because I have the studio at the house and they live above me and so we're all together. But this was a quiet uh, holiday season. We're very fortunate and lucky that none of us have COVID. Nobody in my family has COVID. We're able to distance and follow all the rules super easy. So really, you know, we can't complain. It wasn't the holiday season anyone wanted, but again, try to just go from a place of thankfulness because really we we have everything we need here at the dojo except for concerts. So we're just trying to stay patient. Yeah. You know? It was as good of a holiday as you could have. Yeah, exactly. So in exciting news, let's talk about this first. You recently have your own signature guitar release through ESP. So that's a huge achievement and a testament to your skills. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about that? Oh, well, welcome to the commercial portion of the program. <laughs> Allow you... me to tell you about my brand new ESP guitar. It's an Aero V, Flying V, for all you heavy metal guitar players out there. Although if you play jazz and you want to look cool, this might be your guitar. Anyway, it is uh, luckily made by the good people at ESP Guitar Company, who you know also bring you awesome guitars for artists such as Metallica, George Lynch, uh, the Rolling Stones, Unearth. Put all those in the same category, if you will. I've been lucky enough to be you know, here. They have a ton of other shredders that endorse the product, and I fell in love with one of their guitars and have played it all over the world and now have my own guitar that I've created and designed. And I'm happy that now you all can own your exact copy of this in LTD ESP form and it will be available to the public and it's they're harder to get in Australia uh, than I think America but I you know you all are closer to Japan and Indonesia where some of these are made so I think that some of them will filter down there it's hard to know how the music industry has changed in the sense of how people connect to music stores and gear and this is obviously a specialty item in the middle of a pandemic but people are still out there. They're learning to play guitar. They're creating guitar. They're ma making albums. So uh, there will be a chance for people to get this amazing instrument. <laughs> you can't do that on a Les Paul, just so you know. Just FYI. But, uh, FYI. I love a good flying V guitar. I mean, if I had one, I'd probably just look at it. But that's okay. Whatever you want to do with your guitars. <laughs> you, can just, you can put it on the wall. It's yeah, a little expensive to put it on the wall. But it it's an honor. I feel knighted. And, you know, you can't get too ahead of yourself. So I've been, you know, the most exciting thing about it is when I come down here every day to like write, it's like it's here, you know, yeah. and I have a few of them. So I have one in E flat, one in C, you know, a few in different tunings. So now I can just kind of play the guitar whenever I want. And I've been switching between it and a bunch of the other ones I have here. And I mean, it's just so cool how much I love it. Uh, it doesn't work that well for Be Well, which is unfortunate because that band I'm doing a lot with is too. But uh, you need to have the right tool for the, the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, so this exactly. is a high velocity heavy metal guitar for all you out there. If you like metal or metal core, thrash metal or whatever you want to metal All in of it. the above, all of the above. Melodic metal, let's not forget that. Yeah. That reminds me, during COVID, lots of people, lots of people started learning musical instruments, which I think was great. But you were, Fender released like a whole thing with Fender Play, didn't they, during the COVID Time. Were you involved with that at all? Well, we have another company we work heavily with. Uh, Fender makes the EVH brand, which is the amp company that we've used ever since they were invented. They were designed by Eddie Van Halen, RIP, mm -hmm. who brought the company line, you know, began the line. And then as soon as I found the head, it had so much gain. It would sound just like Darkest Hour to me right away. It's the head we use all the time. And so we're connected with Fender and they did a free lessons online thing through the Fender Play or whatever, Fender Play or something like that. I can't remember the exact name. 
And it was a really cool promotion. Of course, we shared it. I mean, we've been very active on the internet through the pandemic, which has, you know, yeah. been hard because the internet is a terrible, awful place to spend your time. So we try to pepper in cool things like promoting the Fender thing alongside promoting ourselves and what we're doing and just trying to randomly stay relevant. So that was one of the cool things we did, yeah. Yeah. I did not teach, though. I, I have not been teaching that much because I've been trying to focus on really streamlining my life to only do a few things really well and be responsible for some things and taking on a bunch of students in the middle of COVID. It's already hard enough teaching someone, let alone over Zoom, so it wasn't really something yet. But I have been learning a bunch of new crap, so I am appreciative of shit people put on YouTube and stuff people do because this is the time to learn. You know, you have, uh, you know, all of that time we spent drinking at bars and doing crazy shit, which, trust me, I loved, but I feel thankful to have got to have done because now every day that I wake up, I don't feel guilty that I didn't spend that time when I had it doing what I wanted to do. So now I'm like, all right, well, what do I do now that's different? I guess I do yoga instead of drink half a bottle of Jack Daniels. You know what I mean? But it's like, you can still drink every once in a while, I still drink every once in a while, but it's different. Going, yeah. I don't go to bars the same way. I don't go to shows the same way. And I definitely miss that interaction. But again, it's all sort of about appreciating what you can do now. So I digress back to, I think it's really cool that people have been learning things like lessons through the internet and myself, I've been learning painting off the internet. We definitely will dive into your painting abilities. It's great that a lot of people use this time to find out what new skills they could uncover. I want to talk about the band Be Well. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I only just discovered them like a couple of weeks ago. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about that, how it differs from Darkest Hour? You did maybe tease that eventually when the COVID crisis settles that you might come to Australia, which would be exciting because seeing live bands is something I've really missed. Well, first of all, Be Well is coming at you because yes. we're serious. It's a hardcore band, straight up hardcore band. And let me try to figure out the easiest way to draw the lines between Darkest Hour and Be Well. And it starts simply with the producer, Brian McTurnan, who produced three of our full-length records, The Mark of the Judas, So Sated, So Secure, and The Eternal Return. He has also produced your favorite records from Hot Water Music, Thrice, Emerosa. Man, just like, I can't even think of all the bands that he's done, it's just insane, right? So Brian, I was a little studio rat at his studio, Salad Days, and he's been around the entire time as the band's been developing. And I was lucky to play in a band with him early, before Darkest Hour did much, called Battery. We were a straight edge hardcore band, and I was the youngest member, and I barely knew anything. And these guys had already sort of toured the world, and Brian was the lead singer. And Battery was a straight hardcore band, and from that band, I learned all about the vegan straight edge hardcore scene of the 90s and also DIY touring, underground concert venues, like different types of like playing VFW halls and churches and doing v battery would do all sorts of weird stuff and have four to a, 400 to a thousand people there and kill it. And the band sort of became inactive in 1998 when Brian became a producer again. Darkest Hour took off. We remained buddies. I hung around at his studio all the time and I was constantly trying to convince him like, dude, you got to start a band. Like you have all these great ideas. You're constantly the guy with the best creative idea in the room and you're spending all your energy and time doing stuff like helping dudes like me make my own band's records. And in the end, you don't get that much out of it. I mean, you don't get as much out of it as someone who gets to create their own records. So at some point do your own. And eventually I won he started listening and we created a band that also consists of people that you, of bands you may have heard of. Aaron Dahlbeck, the bass player, was also in Bane and was also on the early Converge records. Oh, our, our drummer, uh, Shane, was also in a band called Fairweather, who also our other guitar player, Peter, also played in, who was on Equal Vision. And all of these bands toured together, played together, and you know, it kind of makes sense that we're all, everybody's a dad and they're older. And <laughs> these people all live in the Maryland, DC, Virginia area. And so unlike Darkest Hour, where we're kind of spread out and we do things 
on a bigger scale. Be Well operates like a younger band where we have actual band practices and we just put out our first full length record on Equal Vision Records and End Hits Records. And, and it's awesome. Yes, I've been listening to it for really the last good. few weeks. Yeah. Thank, thank you. You're and there's thousands of different versions of vinyl colors and all sorts of shit you can buy everywhere. So if you want to check out the band, I encourage you to just go to YouTube, Spotify, wherever the hell you guys listen to music and follow us, you know, and tell people about us because it's not a band that has anything for sale like other bands. It's more of a band that has ideas for free and they're good ideas. It's it's a hard, it's literally a hardcore band and people have gravitated to it in a way that I'm not like that used to because uh, not that metal fans aren't passionate, but the way that uh, hardcore fans are very open about their love for something is it's kind of unique and cool to dip into that. Uh, recently, Battery, the band I brought up earlier, did a reunited European tour for the 25th anniversary of their debut LP. And that tour was with H2O, who's another awesome band that we got to tour with. And it kind of like re rekindled the fire to like connect to that scene because I had realized how, how natural it is for me to be in at those shows and around that environment. And, and it's totally natural. And I love like a darkest hour concert, of course, it's a mix of all these types of people, but a death metal show, I love that vibe too, you know? So I'm a chameleon, but I realized I hadn't, uh, I hadn't really been in the, in that hardcore world the same way in a while. Neither had Brian and it was nice to reconnect. How do you then go about shifting gears? So jumping from one band to another and swapping those genres, how does that all come into play? Well, that's interesting because the thing is, it's about roles to me. To me, like in Darkest Hour, me and John have a relationship uh, that has been around for over two decades. And then you have Aaron and you have Travis. So you have a distinct family of very opinionated, very technical, very ingrained lovers of all things and a band that has nine full length records. It has done a lot. It has said a lot. It has achieved a lot. So with each release comes pressure and yeah. becomes a, a connection between the band members of what's happening. And it's like a stew of, from the outside, it might look very violent the way that we interact with each other. Because in some ways, you know, with maybe some people out there have brothers or sisters that they are around a lot. And <laughs> the guard goes down of like being like cordial and you just cut straight to whatever the fuck you're trying to say. And then the creative process, this is even hyper, hyper sense, sensitive, you know, to that. So we're, we can be like, it can look like a serious ass argument when we're actually creating something good. Yeah. It looks crazy, but we are crazy. But because to be a band for 25 years and to be where we're at, to do what we're doing with the motives that we have, we literally are crazy. And we don't give a fuck because we like being in a band and we are a bulldozer of creativity and we know that we connect with people when we follow our impulses so we don't want to listen to what anyone thinks we should do on the internet or what managers or labels or anyone tells us anymore because we've been around for long enough to have tried a lot and gained a lot from those those risks but learned a lot and now we're to the point where this is our motherfucking baby the guys that are in the band now and all the other ex members on the, all the other albums, they all get paid off that shit. Like this matters. We want this band to be remembered and to be legendary. That band, I'm like straight in there with my sword out, ready to kill a motherfucker to make sure my idea is at the top of the pile. Yeah. But with Be Well, it's a completely different situation. Brian is totally intelligent dude who is not going to He's, he's also emotional and he's not going to react very well at all to that. He does not like that approach at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. He likes positive vibes. You know, I'm not saying that darkest hour is a positive, but we are familiar and Brian is just straight up. He wants to feel like everything is butterfly affecting into the right direction. Right. So the other thing is that he needs amplification. 
Whereas I need to be edited as an artist. Like I can write a thousand Darkest Hour songs, but maybe not everything's that great. And John can kind of weed through it and the guys can add to it. We can all do our thing. But with Be Well, what Brian needs is people to not get in his fucking way. And he yep. needs to be encouraged when he doubts himself so that he can create what he wants to. And then he's an intelligent, badass motherfucker enough to know that once he does those things, i.e. says what he wants to do creatively and also does what he wants to creatively so that he, he feels that he has no regrets, then he's willing to stand back from that greater picture and go, hey, is it good enough? What should we do? Could it be better? And then at that moment, that is when you uh, approach somebody who's creative in that way to be like, hey, this is amazing, but over here, this little thing could be better or whatever. Or maybe you do the most profound thing ever, which is go, hey, man, I'm really glad you said what you wanted to say. This is fucking awesome. Because the death of a really good idea is oftentimes just like another person's fucking idea, you know? And so I don't know, with Be Well, I try to be a cog that pushes things down the hill and I don't try to be the uh, impetus of an idea. With Darkest Hour, I've been the impetus of all the ideas for so long that that's what feels comfortable. I mean, along with the other people who have played guitar, sometimes we'll allow them to be the beginning, the nucleus, and then I'll develop it a little bit and everybody will do that too. But either way, it's not like there's a system, but uh, there is an understanding that like Mike Schlabom does Darkest Hour all fucking day long. So of course, when we're writing songs, he's like all up in that shit. But with Be Well, I'm supportive to Brian's visions. So that way they can be two different visions because I don't want it to just feel like the same shit we, we want them to feel different so that is a really long answer to your question of oh, I do it, i need to switch mindsets all right and off the back of that what about when you have stepped in to fill in for another band that's a completely different role again isn't it so you really are having to wear many many hats so what's that like oh that's like completely different yeah, I want to know all so, the- uh, well, well, all right. So if I'm like, okay, if I'm like in the band, it's silly, but if like, let's say for like Unearth, yeah. I, had to fill so in, you- I filled in for Ken Susie, you know, which that was crazy because with Buzz and Ken on guitar, they they don't necessarily even agree with the right way that you should play a fucking certain riff. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, and also they've translated the riffs into a different tuning from the riffs, the way they've been retorted on some oh, of the gosh. records. So- it's just they've evolved. They have like a way that they play the guitars that only like they and I probably know at this point. You know what I mean? Because it's just special and weird, but I totally get it because it's very similar to Darkest Hour, but it's also totally not because it's written on a seven string. It's a lot more rhythmic. It was written in standard tuning and not drop tuning and translated that way. To me, it's more about acting. Because what I want to do when I'm filling in for On Earth is I want to play everything perfect and then I want to look good on stage, but I don't want to be the center of attention because, uh, which is really hard for me, by the way, super hard for me, but uh, because nobody who's the lead singer of a band wants the fill-in dude to be taken, to be like Angus Young, Angus Young in his shit up. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to... You got to find where you fit in with each project in the same way uh, maybe a sports team has different members that shine at different moments. That's kind of what's happening here. Like, you know, the goalie isn't always the star position in, you know, football or soccer, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But sometimes it is, you know, so with with filling in with bands, it's more about learning it correctly, the way that, you know, fans want to hear it and presenting it the way it looks cool i mean when you're producing a band you need to read the room with the band and what the band needs and so that's kind of like you gotta be be more malleable but in the end i think that the one thing that's true is whenever whatever situation it is you need to be willing to always work your ass off and understand you're probably not going to get paid for a lot of the work but what you will get is respected by everyone around you and trusted by everybody around you which in the end will be worth more because your entire environment will be happy. So like you are going to end up working super hard in all those situations. But as long as you're like positive and you try to figure out a way to not be 
person that's stopping whatever the ideas are, you can kind of win in any situation. Yeah. So, and, I, and I definitely can't be negative. Don't get me wrong. Like, especially in bands I've been in for a long time, I can go into that place. Yeah. But if in general you are a positive, hardworking member of the band who clearly does shit that isn't like, well, my shit's loaded in or whatever type vibe, then, you know, you're going to do well. But if you, if you think that something's owed to you or you think that it's going to be broken down fair, then you are in the wrong world, no matter what you're doing, filling in for a band, producing a band, recording a band, writing in a band. It's never fair. It yeah. just is. No, I think that's really good advice. And the adaptability is really important. I guess that served you during COVID, like having to be adaptable as a parent as well. But I wanted to talk a little bit about your painting, if we can. So I did notice popping oh, up on yeah. yeah, on Instagram some um, some cool and quirky cats and now dogs too. So have you always been into art and how did this kind of come into fruition? I liked art, but I never, I was like always the guy who um, in, in Europe, and it's probably not this way in Australia, but in Europe, whenever you play these venues that have been around forever, they have these books and the books, they want everybody in the band autograph. Oh. So then and immediately it's like, hey, who can draw something that isn't a dick? You know, yeah, yeah. Or a pussy or boobs or something fucking brutal on here. Like, who can draw something and we can sign it? You know what I mean? And I would always end up drawing like stupid cartoon characters of everybody because when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was draw cartoons. That was like my first thing I wanted to be an animator. And then I just cool. totally got out of it. I got out of that. Like, that was just like a, my parents definitely didn't think the arts were a direction ever. So it was never encouraged. So later, what happened. My obsession with painting didn't even start until this year, but it has nothing to do with COVID, which is kind of an interesting story because my daughter discovered YouTube and on YouTube, she discovered Bob Ross, which is hilarious because I used to love Bob Ross. I used to try to get my mom to let me paint to Bob Ross, but she wouldn't want me to have the paint by the TV. So I couldn't... <laughs> paint in the bedroom or I couldn't paint by a TV where the show was on and have all my shit set up. It just never worked when I was a kid. It, so I was obsessed with trying to learn how to paint like Bob Ross and I forgot about it. So my daughter finds Bob Ross on YouTube and now it becomes something we can have on the background that's not TV, but that's kind of cool. And so it was like second week into January, almost a year ago to when this conversation is, um, we were sitting there and she was watching some version of, of Bob Ross. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to try to paint this shit. And I ripped a piece of cardboard that was out of the recycling, like in, in the kitchen. And I went and I got like whatever paints Coda, my daughter had like lying around because she has a little art area that never gets used, you know? <laughs> and I pulled it all out into the living room because our living room is a little bit more used up like because we have we have cats and we have a daughter and so it's like our couch isn't that nice and our <laughs> floor is hardwood so whatever and i just fucking went to town and this shit was pretty cool and then the next day she did it again and i painted another thing on a piece of cardboard with whatever bullshit paint we had and it was just something fun i started doing and I would spend like three hours doing it. My wife was like totally wow. confused because I don't spend three hours doing anything that isn't playing guitar ever. And also my daughter and I were doing it. So it was cool because she doesn't really want to jam that much. I, I used to teach at a school of rock here with like kids and mentor kids. And my, my kind of as a way to get my daughter to do the classes because she would be in the classes. So she would get the classes for free. I would mentor the kids. I could be the teacher. It worked out for her, but she never gravitated to it. But painting together was something we did. So we were doing it all the time. And then I started being like, man, I want to make cartoon oil paintings. My wife was like, why? Just do acrylic paints, do pencils. Why oil paintings? But I'm obsessed with it. I like how it takes my brain, it turns it completely off. And in the yeah. end, I have this like cool ass painting. So it was something I did in between the tour tours and, and, and after a long day of recording, that was fun. And it gravitated to like our, I mean, escalated to like our kitchen sink being full of oil paints and our couch being ruined and the floor being ruined in the living room and uh, the remote control being covered with paint because I'll pause it and rewind it. 
But now, a year later, what I've been able to do is do these funny pet portraits of my friend's cats. So what I do is, uh, I mean, people have been adopting cats and losing cats all during COVID. So I wait till a friend's animal passes away. Then I snoop them out on Instagram. I find a bunch of their pictures and then I paint a cartoon version of their cat and then surprise them with a cat painting. And then I also paint my own cats just to practice stuff like I wanted to paint my one cat like Biggie Smalls, my other cat like Eddie Van Halen, so I kind of practiced (laughs) that. But I thought it would be a very stressful escape from guitar and that I would get very anxious about how I could be spending that time doing shit for one of the bands. Or, And then I realized that it actually enriched my guitar playing because I was more focused and I was more excited about it rather than burned out. And it gave me a totally new perspective of the songs, like they were paintings and the way that I was doing the paintings and the way that I was writing. I mean, in a really fucked up way, like I don't want to waste all your time explaining it, but like painting, the process of painting all of a sudden changed my perspective of songwriting in a way that I needed because it just shook me out of this like routine I had been in, which wasn't bad, but just, now it's a lot more free-formed in a way that like feels more natural to me because as long as I follow that sort of same lead in my brain, it's like everything gets better. I did notice there was some slime featuring that your kids make slime, which I was always into Play-Doh when I was younger, but slime seems to be the cool new thing for kids. And are you into glitter? Does glitter feature? Will glitter feature? Oh, yeah. We have glitter slime. Yeah. Oh, but I don't do glitter in the painting because, man, glitter doesn't really stick that well to the oil. But my daughter, again, she likes YouTube. Uh, and, I mean, that's the thing that's kind of mind-blowing because you realize, like, so many things I've learned from her. Like, she watches all these YouTube channels, and then these channels, they're all talking about their Patreon. And I'm like, shit, Darkest Hour does the Patreon. Yeah. Shit, that's a good idea. Oh, shit, that's a language <laughs> you're supposed to use. Oh, shit, you could just do that. Oh, shit, that's not a bad idea. All of a sudden, like, anything I hear from her coming out of her room sometimes can be, like, yeah, a really good lead. development idea for Darkest Hour. Uh, also, she fell in love with, like, science projects, and one oh, cool. is, is making slime which I'm not like 100% stoked on because of the like environmental impact of it as well as a resin. She likes resin projects, like making little molded cats. And she figured out how to take my guitar picks and stick them into resin molds. And then like these little alien spaceship resin molds with my guitar picks in it. We were like sending it to random people in the merch store and stuff like, and so she likes to, to do things like that. And she started a little mini Instagram slime business that she doesn't really do anymore because, you know, nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds, yeah, they don't really talk about shit. But good for her. She's also in school and now on the computer way too much anyway, so she doesn't need to be running uh, a slime business. But for a while, we were packaging up slime and she was sending it. And she was literally just copying everything she's watched me do with Darkest Hour the entire time she's been born. Because the entire time she's been alive, I've been doing the DIY merch store from the house. I've been doing the web stuff. I mean, she thinks it's completely normal to have a business on the internet of whatever you can dream up and just whatever the fuck. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing because when I was a kid, that wasn't there. So there are a lot of terrifying things about being a young kid right now, but there are some some cool things. So how was homeschooling then? I mean, parents are always schooling in a sense aren't they they're always teaching so how was that uh well first of all man uh parents teach your kids yeah parents you teach your kids like every day is not gonna teach your fucking kid period but we are lucky we live in maryland right outside of washington dc uh right on the edge so we are actually part of like a school system that's in that state and they have done a great job with handling covid because basically when they shut everything down they sent every kid a laptop so the same laptop with the same shit on it. Every kid has the same, is getting the same style of education from the same teachers. There is a structured system. There is no in-school learning right now. So it's forcing everybody to have to do the same thing together and work together. Uh, and it's not, you know, the kids that didn't have access to a computer, the, the, the kids who maybe were like, not as fortunate as as my daughter who grows up in a house full of Macs. <clears throat> no matter what, 
she has got access to so much computer firepower and it doesn't matter. She still has to do her homework on that state computer. And I yeah. think it's a good system. So we have not been in school. We have been doing distance learning through basically Zoom, you know, with a criteria of homework. And yes, I have to be around her at least an hour or so a day. I mean, my days now are so messed up because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my day, I like, they're, they're very structured, but they're also, I think they might seem insane to people. Like I wake up at 6 a.m. and I'll play guitar from like 6.30 to eight o'clock, right? That's my most creative moment. Wow. Then I'll just come up with ideas. I'll riff, I'll do whatever. And then at eight, I'll go upstairs. I'll make sure my kid's awake. She, she logs in at nine. So I'll make sure she's awake. Then when she logs in, I'll do yoga with my wife. She works at home. She works in television. So she has an office at the house she's working out of. So we'll do yoga together, which is cool. We never did that before. Then my daughter's on the computer till 11. I go downstairs, try to do as much shit as I can for the business aspect of the band or whatever I'm working on. You know, right now I'm working on a cover song with another bunch of people for the internet, stuff like that. Then we'll do lunch together. But I got to do that sometimes because my wife, she's super busy and her job's taken off because they all they do is make content, you know. And then after that, I'm back to work down here in the dojo, doing an interview with you or whatever. She's at school until four. And then at four, she can play Minecraft or Roblox or whatever she wants Roblox. to do. On. Yeah, she loves Roblox. <laughs> yep, she plays that with all of her friends. So they get on, she has her own iPhone, so she's lucky. But it's yeah. not, it's just, uh, she FaceTimes with her buddies and they just all play and they literally play like little kids. But she's had play dates with her friends and they wear, they all go outside and they wear the mask. They respect the rules and they're 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 oh, not they're fucking stoked. They don't give a shit. They're like, yeah. oh, this is what we gotta do, okay? And they seem resilient. So I'm I'm proud of the way my daughter and all of her friends have all handled this whole thing. But yeah, like I'm basically like able to do this band, but I'm also split my time in an insane way of being like a dad and a husband. That it's like. This is not the like Motley Crue story. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Many but at the same time, I am an insane person. I'm dangerous too. I can't wait to get the fuck out of here and so, uh, get into, you know, people's faces. I'm a super close talker, so get ready. And uh, that Seinfeld episode, are you a close Exactly. Talker? I'm a fucking in your face. <laughs> I like, like to travel and I'll be in your face. All right, let's get back into music for a bit. So what music gets you excited and why? I listen to a lot of music right now. Uh, and so I have different times. I like, honestly, I like running more to hip hop and than I do to, to metal. But I like hanging out, listening to classic rock, listening to like my favorite Leonard Skinner album or Black mm. Sabbath or ACDC. I like really like classic stuff. But then I also like super weird new shit like Kanye West. I love oh. Kanye. I like I'll I jam, I'll jam Jay-Z and I'll, Kanye or something weird or not weird, but just like something that's not exactly the same as Black Sabbath. And then I'll also just put on Carcass. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, when I was younger, I think what they said is I had bad taste, <laughs> but now I just realize like, I like what I like, but I like a bunch of different shit. Yeah, that's you know? And I definitely am the guy that nobody wants to be driving. Uh, Cause then I'm going to pick some shit you probably don't want to listen to. But as long as I stick with classic rock, the guys seem kind of cool, but I love obscure classic rock, like April wine from Nova Scotia or yeah. trooper from Canada, you know, or I like kind of weird metal, like weirder, like 80s German metal, like Accept or Creator, you know? Mm. And then I also like, like I said, classic rock or The Police. Yeah. Cool. I love Midnight Oil. I love a ton of Australian bands. I love Midnight Oil. ACDC yes. is my favorite band of all time. I'm trying to think of other Australian bands, but man, those two are so fucking badass. Well, don't forget Parkway Drive. And I remember they opened for you once upon a time here oh, in and Sydney. Oh, and we opened for them for sure. And I was like, what is happening? And I was like, no, you guys. So anyone who says to me, I love Parkway Drive, like, well, you should listen to Darkest Hour because they well, are. Well, we, we appreciate that Parkway Drive fans exist and there are more of them than Darkest Hour fans because Parkway Drive is 
took us on one of their most recent European tours with yeah. with uh, with uh, Six Year Guns. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. they were, I will say this about uh, Parkway Drive. There was a story. I remember we had the same booking agent in Europe and Parkway Drive had come to Europe and their tour got canceled. And then yeah. they needed to do like 10 shows. They had nothing. And so Marco, our booking agent, called me up, who is also Parkway Drive's longtime booking agent. You know, yeah. and he's like, hey, I have this new band. They're called Parkway Drive. Can they play as the opener on, on your tour because their tour fell through? And I said, absolutely not. You know, yeah. I don't know what a Parkway Drive is and they cannot play on our tour. <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> what a he's Parkway like, hey drive. man, this band is from Australia. Yeah. And their tour got canceled and they're stuck here. And I'm like, oh, well, why didn't you say that? Like, I don't know about a Parkway Drive or whatever, or what even type of music they that? are. We even, what are you talking to me about? Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, it sounds like there's, that's fine. You know what I mean? They're from Australia and they have nowhere to play and we they can play the show. Sure, right? So then Parkway Drive shows up and they're like wearing flip-flops. <laughs> they're all which, is yeah, yeah. which is like, you know, sandals, whatever the fuck you guys call them down there. Yeah. And which is definitely not what you wear we in call Europe. Them thongs, and you guys don't call yeah. them that. Yeah. 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 yeah, you're not wearing your thongs in Europe. No, okay? no, no, no. So yeah. In the middle, you know, of Germany. So they stuck out, They, you know, in general, because they're like yeah. surfer dudes. Yeah. Uh, and then they played, and they were awesome. And they were really nice guys. I mean, yeah. a mess where, you know, loud, drunk partiers, they, they just like, are polite dudes yeah. who like to surf or whatever. So uh, years later, we did a tour with them in America and we took them in America and it was called the Thrash and Burn Tour, okay? And we invented a term called getting Parkway Drived because <laughs> that they would play and then like 800 people would leave and we would be like, fuck man, because we would play right after Parkway Drive and nobody had realized like how popular Parkway Drive had gotten. Yeah. Uh, and we had a huge touring history in America. We'd been, in, it made sense on paper that we would be the headliner, but mm. they had these rabid fans that just weren't interested in Darkest Hour and you know, in the way That's we- That's crazy to me because you're so, it does seem similar, but it just seems so different. And I do think yeah. it had a little bit to do with the fact that we were so much older and people connected with so Parkway Drive because they felt- Really? But it felt that way to Winston's the kids. like my idea. Yeah, in, yeah. in America, Darkest Hour had been touring a ton. And this yeah. might've been Park might have been Parkway Drive's first full U US tour, I don't know, or one of them, right? Yeah. So then, uh, they blew us away on that tour. We're like, wow, well, oh, I guess that that settles that. You know what I mean? Uh, and then uh, we had a new record coming out and, we, and it, the timing synced up for a tour they had. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting to is that when the timing came around and they are to the point where they have the Tommy Lee drum set and the pyro, yeah. they still like gave us an awesome you know, opening slot, which by the way, sounds like it's not cool, but is cool because Parkway Drive like takes yeah. care of you. Like they made sure everybody was in the room. You know, I took a woman before we played that we had total access to the stage and we were taken care of. You know, I told one of the guys that I felt like I was headlining, you know, just yeah. because we had so much access to everything. We had such great shows. The crowds were awesome. Uh, and, you know, stick to your guns and they played and they had a fucking flaming drum set. It just didn't matter. It was great. So. Uh, we're super thankful that they sort of paid us back in in a sense. Yeah. You know, People I mean, are, they still they yeah. still owe us that Australian tour. So if any of you all yes. see them down there, but just sure, be like, hey, maybe I'll put what the fuck's it going to take? Yeah, last <laughs> thing he needs. Hey, you know what he needs is like someone else bugging him to get on a tour. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what Winston needs. Yeah. No, but I just was trying to drive home the point that they have always been like real badass, cool dudes who are not afraid to take bands on tour and treat them right because they uh, know that they have an amazing show themselves and they have nothing to prove. And, and I think that is what makes them really special because uh, you'll run into that a lot in the music business and especially as bands get bigger. And yeah. it was really nice to see that I think because they are really into surfing and into other things that aren't just music and, yeah. and caught up into that entire it's identity. Grounded it's grounded them a lot. Yeah. And that's a thing that people say, but Parkway Drive is grounded and deserved yeah. that success. Yeah, cool. Who else? Man, there was a, a Jet, right? Jet's Australian. Yeah, yeah, Jet. Yeah. They're good. I love guitar, but I also 
like need a break sometimes. Yeah. And I lo- what I like about hip hop and rap is that I'm not going to ever do that well, not because I can't or something, but just because it's just it's just something I'm a fan of more than I would want to aspire to do. Yeah. You know, so it allows me to be a literal fan. And I think that's important because you as an artist, you start as a really super big fan and then you transition into being an artist and you're grabbing those things you were a fan of and those become your influences and they become part of you to the point where maybe you don't remember that they weren't yeah. yours. So being a fan is a good way to remind you what it's like to be a fan, what it's like to interact with an artist as a fan, what it's like for people to like like something in a way that's kind of irrational because it really means something to them. So I also like like 80s hardcore. Like I oh, fucking yeah, love same. straight edge vegan hardcore from the 90s. Like I love Earth Crisis, yeah. Snapcase, Refused. I don't prescribe to the straight edge ideology anymore, but I still love those albums. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> love and support people that are straight edge and and being straight edge. I'm just definitely not straight edge, but uh, you know, I get it. You know, I'm from Washington, D.C. I grew, yeah. I grew up around it, you know. The hometown. I like to allow people to have the ideologies as long as they allow for people to exist who don't have the same ideology. So Yeah, a bit of respect. Well, I was going to ask you, so when you get to a certain skill level of playing the instrument, so obviously you're quite proficient, do you think there's always something to learn and to experiment with? And where do you think your guitar skills would be in a year from now? Yeah, the more you know, the the more you know you you didn't know anything. Wow. Like, where do I... They'll definitely be more advanced, but it's not going to be what I would have told you a year ago. It's more about I'm definitely working more on controlling the ability to be expressive with, with the movement inside of bends. Like, okay, like people don't think so much about bending and when they're soloing or even riffing as much anymore because it seems so much is about flash and precision. And when you hear a lot of new school guitar playing, so much of it is done in Pro Tools that you're gonna hear bends that are perfectly from one step to one half step or whatever. People are using Evertune guitars now that don't even have a lot of that movement. And like the playing that I grew up liking, Van Halen, ACDC, Pantera, there is like moments of shit being out of tune on those records because there are places in between A and A flat and whatever that where music exists, you know, tension builds. So I'm just trying to work on being able to control all that. I, you know, recently as in a couple, maybe in the past seven years of my playing, I've had the realization that the trick is learn how to play anything you want slow right away, speed it up, slow it down, speed it up. The process of speeding up, slowing down, whatever you're trying to learn will teach you the note values, the rhythms, the hand motions faster than anything else. And the more you learn, the faster you learn, the faster you learn to learn. So you can compound on ideas exponentially faster. So I'm hoping that will work. And I think there's a lot of people who could be where their playing's at, where my playing's at, and be like, it's fine, I can make anything work at this point now, why waste the time? But it's not, when you really love something, you're not really wasting time, you're just kind of like, oh, I wanna do that better, you know? And every time I I start to hear something's better, I go, oh, fuck, man, I can't believe I didn't hear that before, you know? So that idea is kind of addictive. I just expect that I'm gonna hopefully be able to control what I'm doing and everything's more responsive. And this is another good example of COVID, which is that if you saw Darkest Hour play before COVID in any shape, when you see Darkest Hour play after COVID, it's going to be different because it'll oh be even better. Yes. I can't wait for you guys to come to Australia. I mean, oh, oh man. The thing I'll tell about people in Australia is last time we came to Australia, I'm not saying we were bad or anything, but fuck, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Two of the band members in the band right now weren't even in the band. Yeah. And I have a lot of tattoos I didn't have last time I was there. Amazing. Definitely a long time ago. We're coming back and when we do, it's going to be like a completely different band, but at the same time, everything you love. So, I mean, what I love about, being able to keep a schedule of what you're doing is if you always have some time to be working on something new, 
which is, by the way, something that Paul Gilbert told me, who's an amazing shredder, which was one of the best pieces of advice anyone ever gave me, which was, if you want to get good, just try to learn something new that you like, okay. something little, not, not like, don't, you, you can't say I want to learn something I love, like uh, learn a song every day. Okay. There's no way you can learn a song every day. Learn a riff every day. Learn half of a riff you thought was cool every day. Find oxygen for that in your life. And then everything comes from that, like playing what you're searching for, what you start talking about, about your playing outside of it. You know, it's more about pushing yourself in the right direction in the right direction is playing and ingesting as many different hand movements and ideas as you can. And that's not playing your own songs over and over again. And that's not wasting a bunch of time trying to learn a whole bunch of stuff. It's just about understanding that the process of stretching that part of your brain every day is more important than just playing arpeggios to a, a, a metronome to get, you know, as fast as you possibly can. All right, let's talk guitar players. And I'm going to confess something on here to you. Listeners, please don't revolt. But I have never been able to get into Hendrix, Jimmy Page, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I just can't. I am more an 80s, that terrible 80s wah-wah. I love Joe Perry. I'm going to admit that I love Richie Sambora. What about you? It makes sense. They're, they're different in a very unique way, which is that like, those people played more on the one. Everybody you just talked about in the 80s, everything yeah. was more on time. Yeah. You know, in, in Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, I mean, shit, these guys, all the, the, the whole song feels like it's all over the place because they were, in a sense, free-forming the ideas and they became genius. Whereas, like, Richie Sambora and some of these other guys, maybe they made up the idea on the spot, but they rehearsed it a million times because the way people hear music changed when Jimi Hendrix and some of these people you're talking about were playing guitar people didn't record every single event and thing and judge it based on something they'd listened to before it yeah. just was and now when you see a band if you're in the heavy metal rock community you probably expect that it's going to sound like the record you heard yeah so exactly. that is why people gravitate towards a different, that different style of playing. It's more on the one, it's probably clearer and more direct, and it's probably easier for you to grab on to in a way because it doesn't feel as abstract. Whereas other people like yeah. the spaciness, free form, floatiness of all that other shit. Me, I'm in the middle. I don't really love the blues that much, yeah. but the blues is so much of everything that you need to find out why, what's cool about it, what you like about it. I mean, I do love some bluesy things, but I like that magical thing in the middle, you know, and a lot of Van Halen yeah. is blues, but it's yep. also magic. Right on Van Halen guitar solos, especially the beat it solo. I like Aaron North who used to play with Nine Inch Nails for a long time. And like, oh, I love- yeah. And he was in um, another Icarus, band too, that Icarus Line. Icarus 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 Line. Yeah. Man, yeah. that song On The Lash. Yeah. Icarus Line had this song, uh, Darkest Hour played with Icarus Line at least a few times. Oh, I love Those guys that. did Buddy Head. Yeah, he did Buddy right. Head. And Darkest Hour did a tour with Dillinger's Escape Plan and Buddy Head had done some promotion for it. All right, so obviously I just mentioned Aaron North as one of my favorite guitar players. I guess Adam Jones is up there, Billy Howardell. I love Reeves from The Cure. What about you? Who are some of your favorite guitarists? Mm, I mean, my favorite, I mean, my favorite, it's just so, it's just so run of the mill, but I mean, top five, I would put Angus Young in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to do these in order because it's just too hard no, to figure out the no, order. No order. Angus just... Young, uh, Dimebag Daryl, uh, Eddie Van Halen, Zach Wilde, James Hetfield, because you got to yes. have like another rhythm land, you know, but then that, then I'm, I also love Malcolm Young because I mean, they're just both the dudes from ACDC. <laughs> um, Steve Vai. Because oh, yeah. I love yep. all the stuff, the solo stuff with Dave Lee Roth. And also he sort of like took the torch from, from Eddie a little bit. And then it kind of gets, at that point, you're gonna, it gets a little bit weird because I, you know, really when I was a kid, I loved Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, so, same. God, I wish uh, I'd Tom Morello, I would put in the top 10, although I, I, I don't love everything that he's done on every record, but he still is, he's in there as a guy that really influenced me when I was younger. Mm, you know what okay. I mean? 
And then there's a lot of younger guitar players, you know, like I fell in love with a band called At The Gates. I yeah. love this band In Flames. I love all the Swedish bands. Yeah. And so in some ways, although it's easier to, to fill those slots with like Randy Rhodes, you know what I mean? Or, or Tony Iommi or yep. more classic rock icons. I mean, for me, there are some modern players that I, that I really like a lot, you know? And uh, the modern players I kind of look to maybe more so now when I'm older, but I also kind of do go back and forth, you know, like I'll practice a Zach Wilde solo and then I'll go try to learn an Inflamed song I never knew, you know what I mean? And those are two very different, you know, yeah. modern, like if you try to learn a Between the Buried and Me song, it's a lot different than learning an Ozzy song. So yeah. you're gonna get a lot more out of it or a Meshuggah song. Some of that stuff I don't gravitate to, but it is good to learn like, yeah. why do people like it? You know, why do people love Gojira? You know, I mean, yeah. I, I like them a lot. I like a bunch of their songs, but man, people seem to really love them. So I, I would go down a rabbit hole of like, why do people really like this? I mean, I didn't even mention Carrie King or Jeff Hanneman. You know, Slayer is also yeah. one of my favorite bands. Of all. I mean, all the big four, basically yeah. Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax. I mean, I grew up on that. Anthrax. I, I, I will yes. listen to that. Def Leppard grew up on. Oh, Def I love Def Leppard. <laughs> I love um, all the '80s guitar, and I loved a it, lot of exactly. Alice Cooper guitar solos too. Uh, I do like some Alice Cooper, some Leonard Skinner. You know what I mean? I like White but, Snake. Oh dear, yeah. Anyway. And I'll, I'll also any of the listeners that are on this this that are on Spotify, Darkest Hour, our Spotify page has a several playlists that we've put out of music that the, you know we have a playlist that's songs to party to backstage that are literally is a playlist that we play that before you come on um, stage <laughs> well it's more it's not even that it's a playlist that we have going that allows us to understand how much time it's been between the band and when we're supposed to play so you know what the set of songs are so you could be like 40 feet from the stage trying to unwrap a cable but if you know it's the Judas Priest song that goes before the Slayer song or whatever it is, then yeah. you're not stressed about time and the changeover. You yeah. know what I mean? You don't need to go, how much more time do I have? You know? That's a good and way so, of doing it. Yeah. Uh, and then another is, is uh, you know, John's favorite metal songs that are kind of more eclectic. It's a lot more hardcore 90s based than stuff that I mentioned. And then, you know, stuff that I've discovered during COVID, we have a playlist of that. We have a playlist of the songs Aaron loves. And then Travis, our drummer, he loves all sorts of weird shit like Frank Zappa and just out there. Uh, he loves Zap, the band oh, Zap, wow. which is like super cool 70s stuff. And so uh, we got a good mix of stuff that we've kind of shared of music that we also love uh, through playlists and other things that we do too. So uh, it's, it, it, although Darkest Hour plays melodic death metal, we are, we are fans of oh, all what? sorts of shit. Yeah, it's good to have an eclectic taste. A lot of people can't cope with my playlist sometimes from like death, like Cradle of Filth to like the string quartet to, you know, Fuck yeah. Perry. But that's how I I'll run. go from <laughs> I'll go from Cradle of Filth to uh, Public Enemy to. Uh, oh, I love Dwayne Eddy. He's a surf rock guitar player. I love surf rock guitar playing. Yeah, cool. My dad was super into it. You know, we'll, we'll have surf rock playing. It's cool because it's guitar driven but it's not heavy metal, but it's also yeah. instrumental. So, you know, it kind of like the way that stuff's used in Pulp Fiction and movies like that is always yeah. cool. I mean, it always drew me into that stuff. So, I, I mean, we, we, like I said, it's a, it's a mix of anything that gets us inspired over here. All right. Well, since you've been holding your guitar the whole time, I think you should perhaps play it, don't you? So I don't know what this is going to sound like, but here we are. I would just give it a whirl. Talking about guitar. First of all, Michael Jackson. So this is what we call, this is what we call in the business, a super annoying sound check song. Now listen, when you're a guitar player in a band, your favorite thing to do is play the guitar before the show through the PA, right? So you'd be off stage with your wireless after your tech and i say that in quotations because it was just you with the hoodie set up all your shit <laughs> backstage they've checked everything and the, the music's playing and then you can just <laughs> you start playing michael jackson and piss off your sound guy uh, 
These are riffs that I annoy the shit out of people with. Yes. Every time I turn the amp on, right? Yeah. So that is that is one we'll play for fun. But the thing is, you gotta understand with Darkest Hour, we're in drop C tuning. So C G C F A D. So like not every cool song sounds good in that tuning because it's super low. So sometimes we'll play the song in the wrong key because we don't care. Or sometimes we've trans translated it like that song to the right key. It's like a weird uh, fretting, you know? Like uh, there's a Pantera song we like to play. But it's like a weird tuning, like weird way to play it in this tuning. But it's cool, you know? And then also, of course, like we've been talking about Van Halen, so there's like thousands of Van Halen riffs, but we love to jam Unchained. I could go to that one all day long. Like the whole band will just jam that until the sound guy will just turn off the PA or, <laughs> or Panama. Of course, if I was in if I was in Australia, I would yes. enjoy the shit of you guys. <laughs> Like, where are you guys? Like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> that's when, like, somebody in the back is like, dude, seriously, every band does that. Yeah, like, every band. Um, <laughs> yeah, what else I have? I, um, I mean, obviously, we, we were, what were we talking about? Um, I just don't want to play uh, Van Halen all day, but that's all I can think of. We love Van Halen. Oh, Ozzy, we play some Ozzy. Anything really with a whammy bar. Yeah. I, I love, sometimes I love to just like do a little Jamie's crying. Uh, oh, and then, you know, the classic. Yes. Classic party trick is just eruption. best eruption but we're on a goddamn podcast yeah we're just we're just mucking around one thing we always play is this song simple man by leonard skinner because it is lit our sound check like we have two guitars live and we want them to be at equal volume and when we play a harmony we want you to hear a harmony so we play this riff The other dude will play the harmony. Yep, it's unusual illusion one. Yeah, the whole album's amazing. Like right next, right next door to hell. 
whatever it is, and uh, you can hear like right away, like, oh shit, is this okay. motherfucking shit like Iron Maiden? Ugh, I need both those guitars loud, you know? And yeah. so that is, it's a weird thing, but it, it it's the perfect riff and song, you know what I mean? That's and I mean, yeah. we're in Leonard Skinner's in battle because, you know, we're not from the South or whatever, but I still like my classic rock. So I don't necessarily have to agree with every ideology that all of the artists have that I love. I know that I'm probably a little too lefty for some heavy metal dudes out there, but um, you know, I can respect that they're from a different place and they definitely, you know, aren't from Washington DC, but yeah. that's a goddamn good song though. I left out Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I, I love some slash, you know. Oh yeah, I love. That's a classic. Uh, it's a classic to just bust out a little out of tune at I a like guitar center. That's my favorite. The back off bitch. I love the guitar solo in that. I don't know. I just love. Oh yeah, it. yeah. That's the you know if you go. That's on Use Your Illusion, right? Yep, sure is on Use Your Illusion one. The, the album's pretty good, minus a few songs, but you know. But, but, but I'm right. saying Right Next Door to Hell is a yeah. fucking sick. So that's a classic yeah. Guns N' Roses song, man. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I love Guns N' Roses. Well, you got your Guns N' Roses, so you got a little bit of 80s in there. Well, it's probably a good spot to leave it with Slash. So thank you so, so very much for joining me today. I know you have to go and do dad things. I will post all the links below. If you haven't checked out Be Well, check them out. If you're not a fan of Darkest Hour, what are you doing? Go and have a listen. And if you listen to Parkway Drive and you're listening to this, you should probably check out those other two bands. Yeah, man. Well, we'll be partying someday at either a Be Well or Darkest Hour concert. I'll be standing up the back in the corner. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you on another episode.